man. It's uh, boring days, man. It's getting really mundane. You know, a whole work grind and coming home every day and just being like, oh, so tired. But uh, here and now, we don't have to be just Caleb, Connor, and Carly. We can be writers. <laughs> I feel bad for people who can't see that. I know. <laughs> and if and if that uh cold open confuse you, go watch the video. This is the Christian artist honoring Christ through creativity. My name is Caleb. My name is Connor. My name is Carly. And I totally realized that like I couldn't put this hat on without it being really awkward if I was, like, going to, like, take off the headphones first. And so I just put it on top, and then it fell off. Yeah. I'm going to keep these glasses on the whole time. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I I was telling Connor, though, like, I think, like, if he did end up having to wear glasses one day, I don't think it would look bad on him. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it would look good. Yeah. It's not a bad look for you. Uh, Yeah, so we're here. It's another nano update uh this is part two of our four five four four parts are we doing four of these are there four mondays yes we checked out already there are four yeah there are four yeah four uh four part series uh navigating our journey through nanorimo and all of its twists and turns so i guess how how's it going guys it's going good uh, what, update what you... for our listeners is that season six of Ruby is coming out. <laughs> Episode three is out as of this last Saturday. So uh, you need to watch those. Yeah, I yeah. Need to watch in December. Those too. I'll do you it in want to, to, to know that or follow follow along as it's starting? There it is. But how's 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 your how's your book going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is the book going? Yeah. I'm not nearly as great as you two. I'm about uh, 4,300 words in. 4,300. As of today, this is November 12th. Uh, we should be at 20,000 words. <laughs> Are any of us at 20,000 words? So I'm a fifth of what I need to be at. Are you at 20,000 words, Carly? I hit it today, yeah. Oh my gosh. But You're my insane, goal is to girl. write to 21,000 tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's doing amazing. Yeah, very very well. I'm so proud of you, Carly. Mm-hmm. Thanks. For going out sure. and doing something, you know. Uh, but yeah, so we're here, and it sounds like it's going pretty well. I'm at uh, let's see, I'm at thirteen thousand two hundred words. Mm-hmm. It's all the prologue, <laughs> so uh, that will not be how the prologue actually is when I make this as an actual. Like it's its final version, but sure. I'm not deleting any words until after NaNoWriMo, so I I've edited so much already. No, me too. <laughs> but like me too, right? But like I there's only so much of it that I am willing to do before I'm just like I, I I'm yeah. just gonna keep all these bad words. Like even even after getting to the end of this prologue, like I rethought like half of the things that happened in it, <laughs> and I was like, you know, can't go back I, most of this would be deleting words rather than adding them so that uh, that's it i'm just gonna have to leave it i'm just gonna have to keep going that's what i tried to do today didn't end up having it yet 
but uh so yeah like what is what is everybody's um i guess like the question to ask would be like what are you having the most difficulty with finding time to write mm-hmm really all it is for me it's what i talked about last week too i've just come home from work and it's like i don't want to just sit down and like you know force myself to try to accomplish something else you know i need time to relax and then i get caught up in doing some other things and then i'm like ah, yeah. i accomplish stuff i feel productive it's not like i you know i'm, I'm wasting my life but like ah, i want to be writing it just it's it's hard for me to make the mindset of this is going to be really, really fun and try it. And so yep. I sit down and write, but it's like, ugh. <laughs> yep. I feel that. Um, writing wise, not like not besides just finding time to, to write writing wise, I'm finding it hard to, um, just figure out like what scenes I need to write. Um, and Same. what scenes I just want to write. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I've been keeping a, a Google Drive. You can have, there's this thing called Keep, and you can mm -hmm. have like lists of things that you need to do in it or just notes on the side of a document. And I've been using that like crazy. I have a whole note on scenes that I need to write. Oh, wait a second. You can like add like Google Keep notes to Word documents or to like Google Docs. Google Docs, yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Gosh, that's awesome. It's the little yellow square on the side. Hey, are we all Wait, recording where? OBS? Oh. Gosh, I keep forgetting this. <laughs> or, or not OBS, I mean Reaper. No, I'm not recording my voice. What am I doing with my life? Oh my I had to, okay, so I spent like ha like an hour uh, yesterday trying to figure out how to sync up the audio and stuff since we uh, <laughs> we forgot to do it and I could not get it to work like I don't know what it was but like something I, I couldn't really? find the right places I couldn't like they were, it was just acting really weird and so I just ended up using the, the audio from the video um, uh, so it's not the best I mean it was it's fine like it's fine okay yeah the audio like the thing with there's there's give and take. There's good pros and cons to to each um, each way of doing it. Um, doing the uh, the video often helps um, cut down any background noise because the OBS and Zoom do a good job just naturally of cutting that out. Okay. Um, but although they have to do it manually. Uh, okay, so Carl's, where where is this thing? I can't see. I'm not finding it on. On, on okay. Um, I don't know do if it'll show up on my document, but if you're on, I'm looking at mine right now. Okay, yeah, just on the right side of the screen, there's a little bar that goes up and down, and there's the calendar, there's the keep. Oh, and then oh, I had tasks. to like click a thing to show a side panel. Yeah. Ah, yeah. And you can pin certain notes to a document so that they stay on that document. Oh. And it's amazing. I've been using it so much. You can color code them and everything. No, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I use I use Google Keep for my notes, but I didn't know I could. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, man. 
Google Google Docs is really starting to become an, a really valid tool for writers like who yeah right like you can you can def- you can look for like the definition of a word just by like clicking on it yeah and seriously being, like, it's so define nice. this for me yeah it's great hey, I've so used real- that so much because I've been like is this yeah. a word does it mean what I think it does uh-huh. I think the only reason I don't use it regularly to write things is because I I bought <laughs> noveler <laughs> I, I really like noveler but i mean like one of the things i really like about noveler though too is like it's so distraction free like it's it's if i just want to sit down and i'm just i just write and i don't think about anything else but writing it's so nice because it, it's such a nice little aesthetic interface and it just yeah. like encourages me to just keep writing and not not worry about anything else um but yeah sorry um, real, yeah. real quick we should all clap for the audio uh okay I mean, I'm recording my audio. Three, two, one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. I don't know if that'll help me or not, but. Yep. It was funny for all the listeners, so. Uh, this is episode 117, by the way. Jared oh, would... are you serious? Dang. 117? Yeah, Jared would be proud. Oh, Jared would episode. be so proud. Yeah. Wait, why? 117. It's the designation of one of the soldiers in Halo. Massachusetts. Uh. Yeah, Massachusetts. <laughs> the game we've never played before. Yeah, the game. Well, I mean, we played it with Jared. Well, well, the only time. <laughs> we've never played the story. Yeah, that's true. We have no idea what it's about. We've 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 killed each other with Jared before. That's Connor, looks it. like your eyes are big white rectangles <laughs> because of the yeah, there's the glasses. glasses. Big white rectangles. <laughs> what funny. do you want from me? I don't know. You don't actually need the glasses, so um, <laughs> I guess I'm just confused. What? Yeah, if you didn't know. Nice try. Why did you not know I needed glasses? Uh huh. Yeah. For a fashion statement. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh! But yeah, so um, well, I mean, so what? What did we? I mean, last time we went through people's first pages and and some of the writing that we did. Um, what do each of us want help with people to look at? Um this time around i don't really know if i need anybody to look at what i'm writing there might be there might be one or two scenes that i i'm just looking for like passive like descriptive feedback on i guess of like uh how should i have explained this better is there a better word i could have used from uh mostly for me i'm just looking for what scene should i do next because I don't, I don't necessarily want a whole lot of help on making the characters. Because I know I'm gonna have a lot of fun making all the characters, like all the the kids that he's gonna train. Yeah. I'm gonna have a lot of fun doing that, and I'll definitely need feedback once I've created a character. I'm not sure how to, how to, you know, use them in a in a way that's beneficial to the story. Um. But I think writing wise, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I'm doing okay. Um, also, I'm trying to figure out whether or not I should write scenes from the bad guy's point of view. Because I feel like the story isn't going to include the murders for at least a little while. And I think it would be kind of weird to just kind of shoehorn them in. Right. It's like an obstacle if if they're not characters that I get some viewpoints from. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that one? Uh, so you're just asking about like how to get the murders into the story sooner, um, or no, if I'm you should to, do I'm, that. 
Oh no, I'm trying to figure out how I can get the murders on the one side of the barrier. So like on their side of the barrier into the story mm-hmm. without it being uh just seen as oh this is the obstacle for them because you know the main thing is that the barrier is going to collapse and the people on the other side that's not a problem for me the problem is there's not going to be any obstacles for them that isn't just political scheming um and um, unless there are murders on this side of the the barrier and we've already decided that there's already Mm going to be that obstacle but i well okay so what about this what about um during their training part of their like training in in like doing all this is hunting down murders it is okay well there you go it is. i mean that's that's it right <laughs> no. there like i don't know what you're do, but do i need to to put them put put like uh them as characters from like uh, like a couple scenes from their perspective to kind oh the of murders them... yeah i wouldn't think so no i don't no. think so because you have you already have one of the main characters that is part of that so you already yeah. get that kind of Mm-hmm. You get a little bit of a glimpse of what that's like, but I yeah. think if you if you try to write from their point of view, it's gonna come across more like I think the reader is gonna side with them a little bit more, and I don't know if you want that. I kind of wanted that. Okay, <laughs> maybe you want to do that then. I mean, yeah, I like it. Sounds like you have a lot of characters though already. Yeah, Especially, that was my one thing right? I was thinking of is if I was going to do that, it would just be one character from the murder's perspective mm-hmm. that you always get the perspective from. Okay, I mean, if you're going to do that, I would make it a very occasional thing. Um, yeah. You could have a, yeah. an ongoing subplot with, like, one murder, right? Like, yeah. who maybe was with mm-hmm. other murders or something, but, like, and make it, like, a recurring thing, but it would be it wouldn't be, like, a an ec- like an actual extra yeah. character I'll... in the lineup necessarily. It yeah, no, I a... agree with that. So, yeah. What I think I'll do is if uh, is I'll just write what I know I'm going to write from this side of the perspective with Raid and his his students and with Evanari. Yeah. Um. And if it gets to a point where they meet the murders and I'm like I come up with a really cool story for one of the murders of like okay what's going on in their stories in a way that um something that'll happen um, but I don't want it to just happen. You know what I mean? Like I want there to be a story about it. And the, I think the I think the most of the problem with what I'm coming into intellectually is just like I want I don't want it to just be like these are the bad guys I want them to be people yeah and I feel like the only way I can accomplish that with the scenario that I have is to go to their viewpoint um, because or else like they're not ever going to really be with each other in a nonviolent way ever no matter what yeah like the murder is just gonna be running around killing people for no good reason. Mm-hmm people are just going to try to protect them and i feel like that's boring and so what i I think i'll do is i'll i'll wait until i see a storyline for one of the characters in there that'll conflict and that'll make something really cool happen um and then i'll write the scenes that i need all at once for that story and then put Mm -hmm. them in strategically in between chapters i've already written yeah it's a totally valid way of doing it Yep. Yeah, I'm into it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Anything yeah, else you wanted us to look at? Any specific scenes? Any uh, other brainstorming things? Yeah. And and mine can be really short just because I don't have a whole lot and mm-hmm. we'll focus more on you That's guys fine. this time. Um, so you read that already. So I've really only written two pages since then. 
in which case, do you want me to just read the whole thing, or just the one scene I'm in particular that I'm? Um, how far did we get? In what's it? We got all the way through. The... You read, yeah, you read everything of mine. So I've only written two more pages since then. Right, because the last thing we had was if one's head and heart seek to fight, will not the hands follow through? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can just read the rest of it then. Yeah. Sure. Okay. All right. Let me. Hey. Wait, wait, let me get this oh, up on okay. the screen. Uh, okie dokie, give me one second. <laughs> Just so everybody can actually see what's going on. No, I need this to be... Ugh. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to get this to be just one page on the screen at one time. No, what? What in the world? Word, I never use Word. Word is not letting me. Oh, there we go, okay. Got it. Let me find, okay. I, so I already made a, uh, a change in a couple of the words, so I'll just read it as, as mine is, and you, you can see where, yep, that's where fine. I changed it. Um, Raid, a voice said. It was the perfect excuse for him to leave his current dysfunctional conversation and possibly start another. Raid turned to see Lennis standing beside a man, her wavy auburn hair only slightly concealing the pride on her face. It's him, he thought. The priest. The man looked to be younger than Raid was, perhaps in his late twenties. He stood taller than Linus as he stepped up to the two of and as he stepped up to the two of them. He realized that the man was a couple inches taller than himself. A curse ran through his mind, but not out his mouth. He felt he should probably not try to offend the man before he even knew his name. Hello, the priest said, smiling respectfully. It's a pleasure to meet you. My name is Evanari. He had dirty blonde hair and a stubble for a beard. He wore dark pants and a fine blue shirt. For some reason, Raid had expected robes, or something more... pompous. Raid held out his hand, and Evanari shook it firmly. My name is Raid, he said. Can we talk? I believe that's why I'm here, Evanari said. Raid started walking towards the door to the huge meeting room, trusting that Raid would follow. Uh... <sighs> be a comma there. Evanari... Oh, trusting that Evanari would follow? Yeah. Um, there should also be a comma over. there. Towards the door to the huge meeting room, comma, trusting that Evanari would follow. Gotcha. Stupid word, should have corrected that. Um, <laughs> but Linus walked in step with Raid. So, Linus said quietly, what do you think? I've said exactly seven words to the man, Linus, Raid said bluntly. I'm trying to restrain my judgments until later. Someone woke up on the wrong side of the bed, Linus said. She stole a glance behind her, presumably making sure that Evanari was out of earshot. I like him. He's naive, but kind. Caring, but not ignorant. I had him tell me about his religion, and I think he actually might be able to help you. Oh, Raid said, raising his eyebrows. And what did you tell- oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, um, wait, no, again. Oh, Raid said, raising his eyebrow. And what did you tell him about me? Nothing, Linus said. She looked cut by Raid's words. I mean, what would I even say to him? 
hey, priest guy, this guy that wants to talk to you is actually half ancient evil being and half perfect altruism. Oh, and he also has ancient powers capable of mass murder and doesn't trust himself with this power. She turned to stare right into his eyes. But he has never done anything to harm anyone but himself. Raid met her eyes, stopping in front of the door. Trust is not a mistake I can afford to make with right now, Raid said, looking away and opening the door. You don't know what I'm capable of, and you certainly don't know everything that I've done. Linus fell silent as Raid walked through the door, and as Linus tried to follow, Raid stopped her. I want to talk to him alone, please, Raid said. She looked even more hurt than before, but took a step back regardless. Raid felt a sting of guilt. Evanari lingered behind them, trying to give them privacy. He must have heard at least a little, or maybe Linus had warned him. Okay, Linus said finally. Pause. I love you. Oh. Raid gave no reply. <laughs> Instead, motioned for Evanari to come join him. Thanks for getting him for me, Raid said dismissively and turned his back. Power ran down the fountain. It was beautiful. The barrier was condensed and orderly, but this fountain was free. It was as if the barrier's energy was imprisoned. But here, as if to signify its liberty, the color of the energy was different. It was clear like water, but it had an orange tinge to it. The fountain itself was made with red metal. It wasn't a rust color, but rather a polished, refined, and sharp red. The energy flowed out of the top like a spire, gently trickling down each basin. It acted like water, for the most part at least. The energy swirled and pulsed like it was alive, and it felt alive. Just being in the room, Evanari could feel it. There was something invigorating about the atmosphere. It sent a chill up his spine. It's growing, Raid said, staring into the energy. He was mesmerized by it. And with it, the power that I can contain. Growing? Evanari said. Is that even possible? He thought and then found himself deeply amusing. There was a man with glowing gray energy powers from ancient days right in front of him, and he was talking, I'm sorry, he was asking whether or not it was possible for a fountain of water to grow. According to Coronari's calculations, the fountain should be full sometime in the early summer. That gives us around nine months. How ironic that our goal is to raise the newly, born and, newly reborn incarnates to be heroes in the same time that it takes a mother to perform the miracle of carrying a child through pregnancy. Let's just hope labor, labor is quick and painless for us, or else this might end very differently than we will have planned. Is a that line. a weird statement, or is that cool? Mm -hmm. That's a good line. No, yeah. I think that's okay, cool. cool. Somehow, Evanari had hope in that moment. This man really was determined to do the right, right thing, it seemed. He was determined to be a leader for heroes. But that could be no small task. Evanari turned his attention back to the fountain and the energy therein. Can it be touched? Evanari said. Not safely, Raid said. And I want your hands to remain intact, so I suggest that you don't. Evanari shrugged. Fair enough. Silence. Raid, Evanari said. What's going on here? The world is changing, Raid said. People are being reborn with this energy, and we needed help from every person in that room to train up this new generation of martyrs and to defend ourselves from the new murders. And we even needed Ralph and Tivania who impolitely declined like the children they are. His last few words seemed harsh, and he seemed to notice, but said nothing further on the matter. Mm, let me correct that. And Raid seemed to notice. Mm. Yeah. 
His last few words seemed harsh, and Raid seemed to notice, but said nothing further on this matter. Or, nothing further on the matter. He did restore his tone, though, took a deep breath, and continued. Each person serves a specific purpose on our plan, and Kor and Ari continue to try and negotiate further support with them. But until we get them fully on our side, we'll just train up the best force we can with what we have. Raid turned to look to Evanari right in the eyes. And with or without the support, this force will be the one will be one to be feared and respected. I guarantee it. So, Evanari said, what's my part in all of this? Cool. Yeah, I'm into it so far. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I was I, I did did uh, the uh, description of the fountain. Any feedback on that? Does um, it look cool in your head? That's the yeah. th main thing I'm trying to think of. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Let me read it again. <laughs> trying to figure out if it's uh, if it looks like a cool, like ancient piece of energy. Yeah. Um, I, so it doesn't seem like you actually describe the fountain itself that much. Um, you describe the energy and you describe the fountain being made with red metal, but what, what does it look like? Right. Uh, fountain. Right. But like fountains have a very shit. Yeah, I, like... was, I was looking up like words of like pieces of fountain and I was trying to figure out like, like I, I mean, I don't have no idea about anything about fountains. I don't know what any part of it is called. Well, so I mean, the thing with fountains, right, is most of them are very carved, right? Like they have like, um, either these various like patterns, like carved in stone along along them or whatever, or it's like with statues. Like how is the how is the water coming out? How many levels is it? Is it just like a simple fountain made of red metal, or is it? Does it have like um, carvings, um, right, the only thing you describe about it is that it's made with red metal. That's it. I mean, the water is coming up out of the top like a spire, is what I said. Is that not good enough? Well, that's the thing. You seem to want, like, this epic picture in, in your head, right? Um, but I'm not quite getting the sense of yeah, but I feel like if I describe, like, just random pictures of... Well, no, I could describe some pretty cool things. <laughs> Never mind. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, My plan, I think, is for this entire temple to be destroyed at some point. And obviously, this is where they're going to train. Um, so that's why I want it to... I want to describe certain things in detail to make this seem like this is really cool there's an attention to this there there is valuable things within this and then they spend their entire time making memories in that place um and then i'm going to destroy it all so i think that'd be great yeah <laughs> i'm such a sadist no i'm into it i only heard that last sentence what <laughs> That's all you need to hear. Connor's a sadist. That's all. That's, that's all that matters. Well, well, I'm thinking of of uh, 
like like I want to make everything in the building seem really cool and valuable. Yeah, so you can destroy it all. Characters. Yeah. yeah, not only to the characters, but to the reader. The reader is like, oh, this is really cool. I like this place. And then uh, they're going to train here uh, because I, obviously why not train in a giant epic temple? Yeah. Um, and then they're going to create I'm getting some, uh, Connor, I'm getting some Jedi Knight Jedi Academy vibes with this. Uh, I was going for Shadow of the Colossus vibes. That works. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I'm getting more of that. <laughs> I'm getting yeah. more Shadow of the Colossus vibes, but I was also like just right there. You, what you said, like training in the temple, that sounded like Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so I, what I would do, Connor, is I'd make a Pinterest board and I would yes. look up it's so fantasy helpful. fountains. <laughs> I would like look up fantasy temples. I would just pro- proliferate all of that in your mind and then find some words from there to, the, to describe it or just find an image and then just describe it like that image. Actually, yeah, good point. Right. Pinterest is my friend. Pinterest is a friend it is. of mine. Pinterest is my friend. <laughs> Pinterest is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Pinterest. <laughs> Do you know what the original song of that is, Carly? I think so. Jesus is my friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, so describe the carvings, how many levels of basin. Right, like how, yeah, how many levels is it? Like, because especially if you want to get across Epic, like I would assume this is a pretty big fountain, right? Um, yeah. Right, yeah, describe also, like, describe how, like actually how big it is, like how, like they're standing next to it, right? Like describe yeah. how, how they compare, their height compares to the entirety of it. Yeah, okay, right? so I'll, I'll, I'll go into more detail about that. Yeah. Um, like I can come up with half a dozen images in my head based on your description, but it's, they're unclear, right? It's unclear as to what right. the specifics I should look like. I want one really cool... Huh. Uh, no, I want one really cool fountain picture yeah. that, that stands out in your head. Yep. Nice That's thing about needing cool. to add more detail, more words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah I, I like I I get a I'm I have a very clear picture of what the energy looks like. That's right. what I can see very clearly, but yeah. I don't know what the fountain that holds the energy looks like. Okay, let me ask you: Does it look anything like orange juice? <laughs> um, no. Glowing orange juice. It, <laughs> okay. That's it mainly. All I was Honestly, as as, it, yeah, go ahead. As long as it doesn't look like orange juice in your head, that's the only thing I was worried about by making it orange. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was, because you, you said that it had an orange tint to it and then the fountain itself was made with red metal. It wasn't a rust color, but rather a polished, refined, and sharp red. Yeah. I was just, I, I got that, that, that just juxtaposition of those two colors in my head. And so I was thinking like a, like a, a burnt red orange rather than a, than like oh, an okay, orange okay, good, juice, perfect. right? So like yeah. the water itself might look like, rusty sort of water but not the you know yeah okay perfect that's what i wanted yeah unless unless i should make the energy purple but i don't i don't know why it wouldn't be a mix between white and light and dark you know what i mean but i don't want it to be gray because i don't want it to be like he is the culmination of all power <laughs> right but he kind of is maybe i should make it gray. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go with gray, I would focus on, like, aspects of, like, ghostliness and, yeah. like, that sort of thing, right? Like, yeah. fogginess, still even. Make, can I still make the fountain red, do you think? Uh, mm-hmm, yeah. Just yeah, gray be cool. pulling out of it. Yeah, like, and, and like if, especially if it's gray, like, the, made, the way to make, to emphasize that, right? Like, if you're trying to do comparisons and things would be, like, yeah, like, ghostliness, like, um... Like, maybe there's, like, steam pouring off of it or something, right? Like, um, I'm thinking, like, afterlife, sort of, like, river sticks, 
right sort of atmosphere from that. Uh, should it be should it be clear still? Uh, it's gray. Maybe it's muddled. I don't know. I have no preference. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm fine. Okay. All right, let's move on to somebody else. Carl's. Okay. Um. Ah, just hit my mic. <laughs> <laughs> what did the mic ever do to you? <laughs> Um, I don't know which scene I want to read because I want to get feedback on certain things um, like um, uh, like how if if I should be writing these kind of scenes and like how I could make them better or how I could make everything else like more like that um you're trying to figure out if you should focus on your strengths or your weaknesses I I guess <laughs> sorry explain that again um <laughs> <laughs> um I'm trying to figure out if I should so the specific scene I'm talking about mm -hmm. um is a one of the flashback scenes that I've written about another character. And I'm not sure if I should, um, because I really like the scenes that I've written that are part of that, mm -hmm. but I don't know how to make other scenes about other characters um, in the present time of me telling the story that um, that are that have similar elements and like, work <laughs> so what do you want us to do uh, i don't know i, I was gonna <laughs> read the scene <laughs> right yeah okay. okay um okay so this is from chapter eight and it's the second scene page what page 28 Starts at the bottom. Hold up, I don't have it still. Caleb, you never sent it to me. I uh, put it in the Christian or er, oh wait, you're right. I need okay. to send this again. Uh, oh, I guess I can't. Um, Here, I'll but, do it. Yeah, you want to do it because I can't I've get him suggesting privilege. So. Yeah. Pinterest is a friend of mine. <laughs> Pinterest is my Pinterest friend. Is I have a friend in Pinterest. <laughs> I want to make like a funny like spoof song now. It knows when I need a description of a fountain. <laughs> it knows when I need cool images of new planets. Or a RPG on Fridays. Hey. <laughs> okay, page what now? 28. Uh, 28 at the bottom. <laughs> what the the google doc is is like loading as i'm going down so yeah <laughs> when you said 28 it was like i was like on seven of 
<laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> 28. Yeah. Okay, I see where we're at. Okay. I'm here. See me? Yes. Yep. I believe I am green. I don't know what color I'm in. I am. You're pink. Oh, you're green, Cube. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> Everybody is, I think, it's a different, different color yeah. to everyone else. No. <laughs> oh, wait. Connor, you're on my Google Drive. Oh. Uh... So we're both green. Gotcha. Oh. Gotcha. I'm showing up as green because I'm on two different computers. <laughs> wow, this is confusing. <laughs> so we're starting off with a 16-year-old. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. A 16-year-old Segan Velian walked the halls of the academic building, weaving around people headed the other direction. Look, I'm not saying you aren't capable, his friend walked beside him, uh, struggling to keep up with Segan's gait. But maybe consider how huge of a responsibility this is. I've known the weight of this responsibility for four long years, Kellen, and the training has helped me understand it in the greater scope of things. Kellen took a se several large strides to look his friend in the eyes, that look he always gave Segan when he began sounding like their philosophy instructor. You and Drayton should know better, better than anyone that I have to do this. Segan slowed his pace so his companion could catch up, his long legs moving a shorter distance each step. You keep telling me that, but I still don't understand, Kellen pouted. What about this am I supposed to be on board with? They reached a wing labeled Thalos Project, and Segan stopped to look at the shorter boy. You don't have to be on board with it. That's not what I'm asking of you, he said. All I'm asking is that you see, see what this is to me. This is more than a path to a higher purpose or a gateway to new discovery. It's more than just escape. He watched as Kellen fidgeted with the timepiece calm on his wrist, unhooking and rehooking the strap together. Segan was almost yelling at this point. It's all of it. All of those things in one event that I've been preparing for for the most important years of this life. This life that seems to care very little about me. Several people shot curious glances their way and Kellen shrunk into his skin. He lowered his voice when he spoke again. But from what I've heard about this project, how is any of that better than death? He asked, mentioning it softly in recognition of the, world, of the word's bearing. Maybe you just don't fear death enough to understand, Segan told him, turning to open the door. I'll see you later. I can't be late. Read my mind, Kellen said with a quiet, stern voice. No, Segan refused. Do it. Kellen, just do it, Segan. I wouldn't ask you if I, w if I didn't think it was important, Kellen insisted. Segan balled his fist and squeezed until his fingernails dug into his palms. Even if it's important, never ask me to do that, he warned. Never. Segan left Kellen standing defeated on the other side of the doors as he walked through, frustration ebbing up and down at his friend's ignorance. After all those years, he chooses to speak up now. He's too late. He's far too late, Segan thought as he took each routine turn through the, ring, through the wing. He checked his timepiece. The date read November 4th. I couldn't get out of this even if I wanted to. Um. So, what are they, who are they, who are these characters? What like what's going on in this scene? Because they're kind of like jumping into it. So, yeah. Um. Uh, I'm assuming this is Orion City, correct? No. Okay. <laughs> then I'm very lost. I, then. Yeah i I haven't figured out how to explain where this is yet. Basically, this is just. Um, oh. really futuristic Earth. Oh, okay. 
Um, so this is like flashbacks back on far Earth. in the past. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Right. So so you're okay. This is all starting to make sense in my mind now. So what you're saying is, there's a thing like going on, like you're you're thinking of doing like a sub uh, or a, like interludes of these with things going on on Earth, and then yeah. eventually. So my guess would be this is like leading up to the um uh what's it called <laughs> the stream. <laughs> No, uh, I mean, maybe the screen, but, like, uh, the people who eventually become the domes on Xanlis. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what I assume. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, right, like, this is leading up to that, and then it's part of that project, and then, yeah, okay. So, yeah, I'm into it. I, I'm, I'm definitely into it then. It, it It's interesting. Um, I two thoughts would be one I wouldn't put it as a thing that's like directly inside another chapter and is just mm-hmm. like closed off by little bars simply yeah, because it's oh, yeah, such yeah. a it's such a hard left turn from what's happening yeah. and that yeah, unless that you like sense. explain in detail what's going on like it's a little confusing, um, but if you made this be like right, like interlude one, right, like and just had this short little scene, and then like the next time it comes up, interlude two, because then you're just setting up expectations for the reader of like what this is going to be. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. I assume automatically that this is probably Orion City because, right, like that's probably the only other yeah cutaway you you've done, that, yeah. right? So, yeah, that's my suggestion. Was was there anything else about this that you had questions on or? Um, I don't know. I I had so much fun writing the scene because Segan was so like kind of harsh, and I most of my characters haven't been that way, mm-hmm. and I need to make more characters have a similar personality to that because like all of my characters are just kind right. of good people, and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, but <laughs> yeah, but. like i have one character that i've only displayed his personality by describing like certain certain things about him but then the way that i've put him in certain scenes he doesn't act like that so i'm like that doesn't work (laughs) but Mm -hmm. um yeah so basically, you're just asking about, in general, tips to make your characters meaner. <laughs> Question mark? Is that what you're? I kind of. <laughs> um. For Segan and Kellen. No, no other so characters. Like, yeah, like, right. Like she liked she liked the, the characterization of these people, and realized. Oh, all of my characters are really nice. Maybe they should be more, <laughs> oh. more mean. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I have, I have mm-hmm. some characters that are, like, they're not nice or mean, but they do things that could be, like, interpreted that way, either way. But, yeah, I don't know how to make what I already have 
as like I don't know how to mold that into like better characters without changing the plot significantly. <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, a couple of things real quick. Why does he ask him to read his mind? Is that something I'm not supposed to fully understand as of yet, or is it just a thing of kind of okay. yeah? It's just a thing of read my mind because I do fear death. Well, Segan is psychic, so right. So Kellen is asking Segan to read his mind because he does fear death. He says, maybe you just don't fear death enough to understand. Then he says, read my mind. Is, is in response to I that. hadn't thought about it in that way, but that... So is there is there a subtext going on here that we can't understand and that you it, wanted it, it that way on purpose? Just, it was basically just, like, um, Kellen wants Segan to understand why he doesn't understand why Segan has to go through with this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, hey, guys, I'm going to step away yeah. for just a second. Okay, uh, here's my question to you, Carly. I I love the watch thing. And he, she is, uh, uh, Segan looks at the watch and reads it as November 4th. Are you going to reveal what year it is in the same way? Uh, I would love to. I haven't actually done that math to figure out what year it would be. <laughs> right. But, yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah. Because uh, it's something that he fidgeted with, and he's like, he checks his timepiece. It seems very random that he checked that it was November 4th. Yeah, the yeah, I need to add more context around that because there's an event coming up that's significant that he's he's looking at the date and seeing, oh, it's almost that date. <laughs> right. Okay. That's pretty cool. Okay, yeah. So then you might not want to overuse that uh that piece then, but that was that was my original thought as to why you were putting that in there. I figured you obviously had a reason, but I wasn't sure what the reason was. Yeah. Um. You like how I'm taking on and off my glasses if I actually need them. <laughs> okay. All right. So, is there a particular scene? that you where you feel like that person that there's a person that's that's mean or are you just looking for general advice because i haven't read your whole book yet so i'm not sure like how yeah um... mean. and and i uh uh techno fiber it looks like it's spelled like that yeah uh there was there was a little red underline i didn't actually know that so <laughs> ah, that's wonderful um do, do are you thinking of a specific scene or you um i don't think so I just, there's certain moments where certain characters are, like, they go along with the plot that I have in my head oh, okay. too much and not okay. with what they would actually okay. do if they were a person. I understand. Um, so, so just think about that when you go through it is, uh, and this, this will probably help by uh, writing uh, one scene from the perspective of multiple people. Specifically, mm. if you have a problem with the specific scene of like, why would this person do this thing? 
uh, it might help to write the scene from their point of view. Um, <laughs> but I would say first and foremost is just whenever you're writing and you're like, okay, I want this person to do this thing. Stop, put yourself in their position and think it through. Like, what is their psychology like? How, how do they, how do they feel? How do they think? Why would they do this? Um, and, and, and I guess, I guess that's, that's a little bit foreign to me. That, that concept's a little foreign to me um, because for me, I'm always thinking of the, the plot isn't uh, what I want it to be. The plot is, this is what the person would do. And I mm. create the people towards that plot. And I think that's a, a, a easier way to go. I'm not saying that I actually do that well, but uh, <laughs> like, instead of it being a, oh, this is the plot that I want. So these people will do these things. I think of, okay, these are the people. And so this is the plot that's going to happen because of these people. Or, and if I want a specific plot, uh, you're always shaping the way that people think subtly. You're always subtly letting the person express their opinion on the page so that it's more believable for them to do what they're about to do. For them being too nice, um, I would say just think about the fact that not everybody, uh, like none of your characters are Christians. They have no moral obligation. Uh, besides the fact that if they're if they're morally good to other people, they're expected to be morally good to them. Um, and also, uh, think about how your character's trust might have been broken in the past, and to why they are so trusting to this person. Hmm. There could be reasons. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah. for uh, for the main point, it'd probably be like. Uh, for the main point it it would probably be like what was I just saying I don't remember <laughs> do you remember <laughs> no okay perfect uh, boy I really just lost my train of thought there <laughs> I feel like we're all very very tired off of writing for so much yeah um, no excuse because uh, I've only written 4,000 words um yeah, I don't know if that helps a lot, but I yeah, had a I good point. <laughs> but uh, I lost it. Okay, well, we could move on to Caleb's book when he's <laughs> not here. So, is there any other part of it that you're thinking of, or anything in particular that you're like, uh, how about this for this character that is being too nice? Um, I'm not sure if I can give any other feedback for that. That's constructive, but <laughs> I don't think so. And I, I, I would say that I'm. I should. I would like read your book a lot, but then I wouldn't be writing. <laughs> yeah. So we can read them in December. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> that is leg- legitimately what I think the plan should be. Is we're yeah. checking each other, but then we should go through and really read it and like talk about it. Yeah. December. Um, but I feel like we also should do some, should do some sort of uh, Bible study thing in December then as well yes. to kind of uh, balance it out, specifically because I was listening to the uh, Biblical Friendship episode today, and <laughs> yeah. I loved it. And I was like, oh, this is so good. I love this. 
and it like genuinely helped me as a person in my specific situation. <laughs> um, He's back. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hello, I'm back. Uh, sorry about that. Anna kept, like was calling me three times, and like she never really calls, and so I was like, I thought something was wrong, <laughs> and so oh. I, I answered, and I was just trying to see what was going on, but she was just like driving by, and she wanted to just stop by and say hi real quick, <laughs> um, and she didn't, oh. she had forgotten that we were doing the podcast. Um, oh, okay, cool. So it's all good. She just stopped by, and I said hi to her. So. But I'm still a little, like, frazzled because I, I started getting really worried. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, something's wrong. But I did get a cinnamon roll. Uh, okay, so Carly said that she had, that's basically all she wanted help with. Okay, I, I had one more thing to say about uh, mm-hmm. it. I uh, One more piece of advice is uh, even if your characters are very, very nice, um, which isn't necessarily, like, unrealistic. There are nice people in the world. Um, but like make the, the, there has to be some sort of conflict between the good guys. It can't, it can't be the perfect relationship because that's boring. Yeah. And obviously like you're, you're seeing that and that's why you're like, ah, I feel like my characters are too nice, but, uh, let the conflict then be in misunderstanding each other. Uh, because yeah. that can very easily happen too, you know, is, yeah. is they don't know everything about each other. So there's no really reason for them to trust each other. And so it's not necessarily a thing of they're not trying to be nice. It's that they don't actually know how to treat one another. You know, that could be a big thing too. Yeah. I think I actually kind of did that in a scene that I was writing the other day. So that makes it good. There you go. (laughs) Okay, cool. So now we come to my garbage fire of a book right now. Um, so I wrote this prologue, 13,200 words long, um, and then I made some notes for myself. Things to remember for revision. Cut words. <laughs> Probably want it to be about half the length. And then, uh, so I was going through and just kind of like making notes to myself, right? Um, things to remember for this revision. But, so I had changed so much about my initial idea of this story um by the time i had gotten through the with the prologue and even beyond that when i was thinking about what to do for chapter one um so a couple of things that have happened that i need to to run by everybody so there's a moment in this prologue towards the end um where so basically the, the setup for this, right, like is Kirillon, the main character, is trying to find the person that he's gonna like work with in the, like the person he's choosing to to like lift up from their lowborn status and like make a listener. So they're gonna work together and like basically keep the lowborn in line. Um and as part of his initiation. And uh so Kirillon chooses this person, goes to find them with this like lens, right? So they're up in the upper city and he's like looking for this person. Um <clears throat> And he finds the guy, Vatos, in the middle of a fight with some people. And, like, through the process, he's, like, trying to help him and, and, like, make sure his family doesn't get hurt in this fight with these random belligerent miners. And they don't really, he doesn't really know what's going on. And then it's revealed that Vatos has been trying to start an uprising uh, and, like, you know, rebel against the government. 
and uh the miners were like beating him up because they didn't want him to like cause trouble basically for for them um and so it's revealed that yeah this guy's actually a traitor he's gonna like rebel against the government and so kirilon's like what what are you doing dude like how dare you um and then there comes a moment where um and here i can probably just uh uh what am i what am i saying um point you guys to the point in the prologue that this happens in uh let's see it's page 20 <laughs> top of page 20 this yeah this is so my my the prologue is 39 pages <laughs> or, or 27 pages sorry um gonna be like that's as long as mine is <laughs> that was that's why i said that because I, I was thinking of yours instead of mine um 27 pages yeah um so top of page 20 you have so Thenda's like the main minor dude um it says you know right before that it's basically like like um they they've captured his daughter and they're like threatening to hurt her um and he's like you know please don't don't you know they like you've already you've already got you wanted i'm gonna die now because you've like told the spe the speakers that like i'm I'm a, I'm a rebel and all this stuff right you've revealed this and then like finda gives him a an ultimatum right he's like okay there's no there isn't enough proof they'll send a listener to investigate but by that time you'll have covered everything up if you had anything you needed to hide in the first place you run too clean an operation to be caught this easily or else you already would have already been caught just your luck that you came to scum like us you must have been desperate Finda seemed to think on something. They might still kill you anyway, since you haven't exactly denied the claims, but it can't hurt to get on the speaker's good sides. No, I think I have another proposition for you, Vatos. Vatos stared ahead, and Carillon felt a tear slide down the man's cheek, because he's linking with them, and can feel his senses. What? he said, barely croaking out the sound. What do you want? Finda smiled. Start talking. Tell them everything. Give up this rebellion. Tell the speakers about all your friends, all your secrets. Or I kill this pretty little thing. He reached down and cupped Danis' face in his hand roughly. Right here. Right now. And so I've reached this moment of decision for Vatos. And I'm like, I'm thinking about this in the original incarnation. Um, this is not how it went. Uh, it was kind of like... He hadn't... It hadn't actually come out yet. That he was... He was, um... Uh... A, a rebel or whatever or yeah i guess it, it had kind of come to that point but basically the original like ultimatum that i had had in the original incarnation of this prologue was like we have your we have your daughter captured and we're gonna like we're gonna like sell her into slavery or something if you don't like um uh or no no it was it was basically like i'm just gonna tell tell the the um the speakers what i know and then yeah like you know they'll Basically, just he told the speakers, "Yeah, just torture his family, and then he'll he'll tell you what 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 you what you want." Um, and then he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna keep your daughter." And then Kirlan was like, "No, I'm gonna save her," and then saved her because like they even despite like the whole thing, they were just gonna like take his daughter, her, his daughter, and go away. But I've changed it now, where it's basically like they give him this ultimatum, where it's like, "I'll I'm gonna we're gonna kill your daughter if you don't like." tell tell them the details of this this rebellion like what you know where it is where they're hiding who's involved in it all this stuff so that the miners can get on the good side of the of the speakers mm. and so i have this ultimatum and i like the the new ultimatum better than like the old one but like i have him choosing to let his family die 
in this version. And so before, Vatos was like this really stand-up guy who his only crime was like, he was technically leading a rebellion, but like everything he does in the <laughs> prologue is like really like nice and, and like, like, uh, uh, what's it called? Like uh, upstanding and Caroline like likes him all the way through. But in this version, I have him basically being, being like, I'm so sorry, Dana's I'm so sorry. Like I, like I have to like, um, protect the cause over you. Um, and I think technically like his family already is in on it and like is for it and so they're okay with this ultimately because they, they were all involved in this rebellion but like you don't know that in the prologue and it doesn't get revealed until much later but i'm just trying to think of motivations and like what i want for themes in the book whether or not this is a good place to go with it um because basically what ends up happening right he he refuses to tell them and then kiralon's like uh-uh how dare you and then tries to like <laughs> save his daughter so that like she doesn't die and even though vatos won't save her basically, right? Where before, the original prologue was, Vatos can't do anything about it, and Carolyn's like, no, don't worry, I'll save her. Um, and so, I'm just curious, what do you guys think about the implications of that? Because, so for Carolyn's whole story, right, is like, he he realizes that the government's bad, and he wants to change it, but then realize, like, he gets the chance to, like, lead his, this revolution, and he realizes in the process that it's like he's becoming the very thing he hates because he doesn't want to be this violent person. He wants to change people through persuasion, not through violence. Um, and then Danis, her story is basically like how far, like what, what means can justify an end? Like how, how far will you go to, to get the ends that you want while like, do you, will you lose yourself in the process? Right. She's that, the, the side of the coin that does go all the way out and, and become the very thing that she hates. Um, and so I'm just curious as to what you guys think in terms of like how this first, how this decision might impact those storylines. Like if it's going to accomplish what I want it to accomplish. Um, does that make sense? Kind of. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a better way to explain it. <laughs> like. Do you trying to sort through everything? I know there's said. a lot of information that <laughs> <laughs> this, this prologue is so complicated. <laughs> I'm going to have to do so much revision on it. Um, basically, right? It's like, does... Um, Are you worried about this morally by this guy not protecting his family? I'm, more, I'm, I'm curious about thematically. So the book, right, is about... I, like, I'm talking me as a Christian, like writing a book in terms of the message I want it to send, right? Like, would him choosing the cause over his family send weird messages despite the direction I'm going with the book, right? So, like, this is going to set up, right? So, as I said before, like, Kirillon's whole thing is he doesn't like the government. He's like, no, like, we need to protect these people and, and help people. They need freedom. But, like, he gets caught up in this revolution because he thinks that it's the only way to do it. And then realizes that, no, you can't fight fire with fire. You have to fight it with water. Um, and Danis's whole thing is like, yeah, you have to fight fire with fire. And, like, the only way we can ever fix this 
is by killing everyone and starting over again sort of a thing. And I'm just curious as to like, I want the ultimate message of the book to be violence can't solve this problem. Only like being an, ex being the, like a role model of what like good living is life and how, how to like love your neighbor and treat other people as they should be treated. That's the only way that you can actually truly implement change. Um, you can't like force people to be a certain way through the sword. I'm just curious as to where the specifically him choosing the cause over his daughter fits into that and the message it's sending. Um, and even me saying it and explaining all of that, I'm still kind of confused myself as to what I'm trying to <laughs> explain yeah, it's to you It's kind guys. of hard just not knowing the rest of your story. I know. <laughs> um... I mean, I would say it's easier for you to just say that Vatos can't do anything, so Kirillon saves the girl because he has no reason to think ill of the rebellion leader. If he, if if the yeah. rebellion leader is going to try to take the cause over him, Kirillon is an emotional guy, mm -hmm. and so he's going to side not with the rebellion because this is what 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 this is going to tell Kirillon is going to be: Why in the world are these people so? like this that they would let their family die like what's even the point of this rebellion is it just to be hateful then like that's going to teach Kirillon something that he doesn't learn okay yeah that's uh, what i would say so are you... i don't think it's i don't think it's a term of of what the kind of message it's going to send because this is the prologue i know yeah this what what they're going to learn later can correct all of this so uh -huh. it doesn't even matter at this point you know what i mean yeah yeah um i just think i don't think it makes sense for Kirillon as a person to he do wouldn't what? take this lightly. He wouldn't take this lightly. He would be like, Vatos, you're an idiot. Right. I mean, that's what he and does. He wouldn't side with the... Right, but he, is he going to side with the Rebellion? Even well, then? well, so that's the thing, right? This this, the, um, this prologue is like 12 years before the beginning of the book. Um, and so by the time... Well, yeah, and so by the basically what happens is by the time that he gets around to leading this... Or not maybe even leading, but like, you know, being a main part of this other Rebellion that's happening... It it ultimately only has connection with Vatos in so much that it it was run by his daughter partially. Um, it's not run by Vatos. Um, Vatos has been long dead. Um, so yeah, I mean, so what you said there, I think, is what I was hoping. Uh, just the whole thing of like, right, like, what, like, why would he ever choose this cause over his family? Like, what could possibly be so important? And I think even if Vatos doesn't have the right motivations for it, it can impart to Kirillon that maybe there's something to be said about what's going on in the lower city, and like, oh, maybe th this is so bad that like they would they would do this even though they'd get their family killed. Um, so that would be something that Kirillon would be like, maybe there's something to this. Yeah, and and like I, I know he would never agree with the with the fact that you should get your family killed necessarily at, at the very least until he get to a breaking point where he's like, yeah, like the only way to ever do this is to like get people killed, which is he, he reaches that point at somewhere in the book, but then returns back from it sort of a thing. Um, but I like, this is perfect then. Yeah. Okay. That's, I think what you just did with with him mm. sacrificing his family is perfect then because the, the, the end, this could perfectly set up the end where he's like, I shouldn't sacrifice any life. 
Mm-hmm. I shouldn't sacrifice a single life for this because I'm trying to get freedom for these people. And so if I have to let people die, if I have to purposely go to war and ensure that some of these people are going to die and never taste that freedom, then this can't be the right way to do things. There's got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. And you could come back and think, Vatos would let his family die, and I'm not going to let anybody die. Yeah, so the conversation that they have right after he does this whole situation happens, and then basically what happens is Kirillon, like, tricks Vatos into, like, giving up the information, um, even though he he saved his daughter. Um, actually, mainly it's, like, but anyway, that's, that's not important. Basically, <laughs> they get the information they need. Vatos is, like, doomed. His, his rebellion is doomed. And Kirillon's responsible for it basically is what happens um but he like he's he's so sold on the worldview at that point that he's like well this is the right thing to do i have to like quell this rebellion um but then he he asks the guy he asks vatos is page um 23 end of page 23 why would you do it let your family die so the cause could live and then vatos it says vatos didn't immediately answer because freedom demands sacrifice he finally projected back a note of anguish in his thought he got to his feet, his daughter still in his arms, and then carried her towards the house. And we don't often get to choose what that sacrifice will be. What do you mean, freedom? What do you think that leading a rebellion against the upper city to their doom would accomplish? Kirlan genuinely wanted to know. He didn't understand why anyone could see the fut- couldn't see the futility of an act like that. The arrogance. Presuming that it would be morally acceptable to get thousands killed for a selfish idea, selfish idea such as that. Everyone had to do their part in Arkasan. Vatos and the people like him were greedy for more power. That was all. Do you really not see? Vatos projected as he stepped toward his door. Kirillon felt anger rise in his chest, but then realized it was Vatos's emotion, not his own. Do you not see the pain you cause? The lives you tear apart? The liberty you destroy? But no. You can't see beyond your mountain peaks. You can't see beyond your heaven to notice the hell it was built on. And so, right, like, this is the whole thrust of the book, is that question of like and yeah i think it's fine because before i was like vatos is like the super good guy who like never does anything wrong and like <laughs> but i think i like the idea of like vatos and his and his family and like the people who are in the rebellion are misguided in the in the thought that like they have to kill these people they have to kill and, and and do this stuff and let people be sacrificed to accomplish anything like this um and kirillon at first rejects it because he's like no you can still fix things through the government and then he when he eventually gets fed up with the government he's like well no i guess they were right then and then goes with them and then when after only after he's like tried that path he's like oh no both of those are wrong there's a different way um okay cool so the other thing that happens is basically right like they um He he's uh, so like the very next thing is basically Caroline's like, well, at least your family will live, right? Despite your sins, at least you had the decency to save them. Like, at least you did the right thing and you told them about the rebellion, and now your family will get to live. Um, and and Vatos is like, like you're so naive. Like, do you really think they're gonna keep my family alive after this? And like, he realizes like, cause his Caroline's whole thing is like he's been reading like all these history books and stuff, and so this is all the information he he uses to like solve the problem. This prologue is like because he's good at remembering history and stuff um and then he remembers a line in the in like a biography and he's like oh yeah no they totally rounded up like all of the families and just murdered them all um 
And so he's like, oh no, like, uh, even though I saved this girl, like, it's all for nothing because I'm going to get them all killed. Like, no matter what I did, like, I'm going to get them all killed. And then he he's like, he's like crying and, and he's like, no, this is all my fault sort of thing. And then he remembers that, like, he still has to choose a listener. And the listeners get, like, a privileged place in society. And so I came down to it and I was like, okay... Who does he choose? Because my first inclination was like, oh, he chooses Danis. And then I was like, well, if he did that, that is the, the entire book is completely <laughs> different. Um, but it seemed like the most obvious choice. But then when I went, what I ended up going with was choosing his Vatos, his wife, because um, I have him like talking to her in the prologue. And she like goes and helps one of the wounded miners that was like trying to kill them. Like she's a very nice lady. Um, and so I have... Kirlan being like, I'll choose her and then I'll save the whole family because they're my listeners now. So suck it, government. Like, <laughs> you can't kill them. I'm in charge of them now. Um, and so, like, the whole idea, right, would be that um, he he ultimately does save the family of Vatos. But this ends up leading to Danis trying the rebellion again. Like, he's also responsible for that. So he he sets off this entire, like, book. Um, and then, so my, my, basically what my, my thought was, was like, Danis, her whole plotline is like, um, trying to rise through the ranks of the military to like get up to the upper city, um, to, to get power there. And she's only able to do that because, um, she like married into the, the war cast, like the military cast. And I, and I kind of, retroactively was like oh well this is this would totally be the reason like Kirillon basically made them into a so like made them into this other cast the listener cast that's able to marry into other casts where they weren't able to before and so he sets up the entire thing does that all make sense does yeah. that sound like a good catalyst for everything that's happening there um yeah a lot of this is just me talking out, talk, uh, verbally processing some <laughs> right. of this stuff. Yeah, that's fine, though. Um, but then, so the very last thing is I got to the end of the the prologue. And I was like, okay, cool. He becomes a, a speaker. And then he's like, like, Galag, the, the, his, like, uh, the master speaker, like, the guy who's in charge of everything and his mentor. Um basically is like that's the moment where they like realize they can't get along because he Gallic looks at him he's like nope like you did this you 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 saved these people by making them their, your listeners even though it was like you're risking everything about your reputation and everything on the fact that like these people are like should be killed but like you're saving them and now well we have a problem um <laughs> and technically by the law like he can save them and it's fine but like that like basically splits the relationship and like makes them at odds with each other but then what i did was i, st I started brainstorming the, f the first chapter and i was like in in the original incarnation um Kirillon's parents were like the prime ministers of the the city um so like they were like the ruling the rulers basically um and then i was thinking about it and i was like well they don't even do anything in like the whole book like it's really pointless and then I was like, all right, I totally changed the cast system and set it up so that, like, the casts are all really separate and you can't, for the most part, inter intermarry. And when you do, you just become one of the other casts. You can't be, like, 
all the separate casts. And so I was like, well, yeah, Kirillan's a speaker. He could never be, his parents couldn't be the prime ministers because that's a different cast. And I was like, well, okay, who are his parents? Like, are they even important? Do I need them in this book? Like, what is this? And I was trying to think about that. And I was like, wait a second. What if Gallag is his father? <laughs> because like, it they're both speakers and that would be a thing. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that that would create, because he's basically like the, the main enemy, Gallag is, like the whole, the whole book. He represents the government that makes it too much about a uh, well unless you want to make the analogy biblically and talk about the government uh, like respecting and obeying the government is the same as respecting and obeying your parents you want to make that connection somehow well that's what i'm wondering right like that's mainly i'm, I'm trying to think about this in terms of yeah because what i was thinking originally right was like okay i need to make this make sense Right. His parents would be of the same cast as him, so they would all be speakers. But, like, I don't want, like... I didn't want him to be an orphan, because that's cliche. Right. <laughs> but I was like, okay, well, his parents are probably still alive then, but, but then there's probably speakers. So, why would he have this father figure in Galeg if he ha also had a different father? It just seemed, like, logical to, like, mix them together. But then I was immediately seeing the problems that you you just brought up, right? Like, it brings in a bunch of other thematical things. Yeah. Like, then I was like, oh, wow, this is just, like, Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker now. And, like, a bunch of <laughs> yep. stuff like that. So I'm not sure what I want to do with that. I don't know. Um, Because I know that, like, the whole story is, right, like, uh, Gallic is against him and he's like standing for like the old ways right he's like tradition like you have to follow follow the law and all this stuff and Caroline's like no the law is evil and like right. we're, we're totally bad at this and uh, that's the the antagonism of the whole novel does it complicate it too much to make him his father yeah, obviously I feel like it would just depend on how you write it yeah make it less about the fact that he's his father I mean if he's a speaker how much time Theoretically, does he get to spend with his father, with his son, Gallic? Not much. Yeah, it would be. Okay. So I, I'm so, picturing honestly the the speakers. I've been getting a lot of influence in this version um, of the Airbenders in Avatar: Last Airbender, like that yeah. whole thing where like they're all kind of just like there and they have master like apprentice relationships, but that's their entire society is like this weird like spiritual yeah. caste thing. Yeah, so maybe maybe Gallic really hasn't been a father to him. And so yeah. biologically speaking, he is, but it doesn't really change their relationship at all because they've it hasn't changed their past. Well, okay, so I've I've in the prologue I paint him as I paint Gallic as being this like nice, kindly father figure. And so like the whole point was like then they have falling out and now they hate each other, sort of a thing. Um So maybe it's his uncle. It could be his uncle. The un his uncle is his brother? <laughs> well, is then is he is he an orphan then? Who's the monkey? <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't have to be an orphan. Because um... this is the thing, right? Like, I feel like he either, either his parents should not be in this novel because they're not important, or one of his parents should be like Gallic. I don't. I, I don't know. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? That like. Uh, yeah. 
I don't know. I think you should make it so that it's just his mom is alive. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and so Gallag is the person who steps up into the father figure place. So he's like yeah. the monk Gyatso instead of Darth Vader. Yeah. I still think that she, he should be... I think he should be his uncle... Uh, either to his dad or to his mom. Like his, the brother of his mom or his dad. I still think he should be his uncle. I don't know why I feel like that fits. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So I do know the one family member that does is still in the book for sure for Kirillan is his grandfather. Um, His grandfather's kind of like a weird like He's, like, one of the only, like, actual, like, legitimate priests. Like, there's a part of the speaker cast that's, like, yeah, we're, we're technically, like, the people who speak for Critias, like, the god, even though most of the people don't really care about what Critias says anymore. Um, but he's, like, technically a, a character in this novel um, and does spiritual advisory stuff. Um, and so uh, I know he exists, but, yeah, the thing with Gallic, right, is that, like, I feel like... I feel like the relationship works best when it's not his father or his uncle, but rather just like a yeah. a guy who takes on the father figure. Yeah. Plus, I feel like it would be a lot harder to try to tackle two birds with one stone. Right. In saying, yeah, I feel like that would be really difficult. So maybe I'll just do that. Maybe – so so um, what it is is Gallag is really um, all might. <laughs> right Gallic is all might and then his mother is still alive but she all she does is like she's at home and she's like go be a good speaker <laughs> sort of a thing right yeah uh okay i think that's safe yeah i, th I think mm -hmm. that's the thing that's a good idea um okay cool i just needed to shoot that around because i wasn't sure it seemed like the logical idea but it was yeah i was yeah. having weird implications that i wasn't sure about um so I guess the other thing, um, so, uh, one of the things I've been having issue with is, um, the third character, Alendia, and like having her connected to everybody. Um, and so I needed a way for her to be connected to the main character, Kirillan, um, in a way that was more substantial than this, just they like were in the same part of the city um that they actually need to know each other and interact before the novel starts um and so i was like trying to think about that and i was like oh okay well what if so kirillon's been like in the main like timeline kirillon's been trying to like pass a bunch of legislation right he's like okay we need to get the lowborn to like be able to have more rights and all this stuff and he's trying to do all that stuff and like okay i knew that elendia her uh her family is basically they're in charge of like a bunch of miners and like smelters and caves and things um because the way it works is like each noble like highborn family is like in charge of like a, a vertical strip of land that goes through like down the the city and so they have people they're in charge of in the like middle city and the lower city um okay. and so i I was like, okay, I mean, I know their, like, their family had to be in charge of, like, that sort of stuff because the caves that are next to their, like, estate are, like, really important to the plot. Um, 
And so, but I was, so I was like, okay, I can't make Alendia like a speaker. I can't make them into the speaker cast too. So like, how would they interact? Like they, they, they're part of different casts. They wouldn't interact normally, but they need to know each other. They need to interact. And I was like, okay, well, wait a second. Kirilon's doing all this legislation. He would need to get nobles on his side. He would need to have some sort of people who actually wanted the legislation to go through. Um, even for like completely selfish reasons or else he wouldn't be able to keep trying to do this legislation yeah. um he knew like a benefactor of some sort and so i was like okay well what if that like he he's uh Alendia's family is like uh that that to him right like he they're helping him try to do his legislation um but the issue i was having is just in terms of Alendia's story so Alendia as a character her whole thing is basically like this this mysterious like scientist magic expert comes to town and is like, I see you've been having a bunch of problems with your crops and weird things are going on with the animals and I'm here to fix that. Like, I have a magical solution. It has to do with the link. We got to figure this out. And so, like, um, basically, like, he ends up, like, doing a bunch of research and trying to, like, figure this out. And then Alendia gets apprenticed to him and, and like, it's helping him figure figure out what's going on. Um, because, like, the guy ends up staying with her family. Um, and so in the original version of the, of the, the book, her whole story, right. was like being apprenticed to this guy, but then she had this whole thing. Her whole other thing was like, she's always had this voice in her head, like an imaginary friend that no one could like everybody, like normally if you have a voice in your head in this society, everybody's like, Oh, there's someone's linking to you. But like people, people checked and they're like, yeah, no one's linking to you. Um, you're just crazy. <laughs> Um, and so she's had this like imaginary friend for her whole life. And so everybody thinks he's crazy. And she's like, no, like there's a literally a person in my head. And like, I, I talk to them, like, I'm not crazy. And she's not crazy in the rest of her life, but she literally just has a person who's talking to her, but nobody can prove it because they can't find the guy, the, the person with the link. Um, and so she's always had like problems with her family and her family's like, yeah, you need to like stop being crazy. And so we can like marry you off or do something important with you because like, you can't be acting like this anymore. And so her family's trying to constantly get her to not be crazy and like grow up and do something important with her life. Um, and so I'm just trying to think about how the interaction between Kirillon and her family should go. Like what reason should her family have to like side with him in this legislation? Should it be, should they be legitimately for the, the legislation? And they're like, yeah, we should make the lives of lowborn better. But, but like, why would they be such a jerk to Lendia then? Or are they literally like, oh, yeah, we have a bunch of problems that we that, that get solved if you just pass this legislation. It's completely, like, just selfish reasons for why we do it. And then they're just complete horrible jerks to Lendia. I just don't know what, what do you guys think makes more sense. If, I think having selfish motivations makes more sense. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Um, I'm just trying to think about the way that works um so his his like main his the legislation that he's pushing through right now is basically like um make the lowborn casts invocations like more flexible so like you can intermarry between casts and like uh, leave one cast to go to the other or something like that right like along those lines um and so my initial thought was like, okay, so the people 
the the family, right? Lindia's family is like, yeah, that will help us because we have like a shortage of labor in this one place, and like, yeah, getting more lowborn to be able to help in this place would be really awesome. Does that make any, does that make sense for a valid motivation for for them to be on board with legislation that like makes the casts more flexible? Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah. I trust Carly's opinion. <laughs> okay. I'm not fully following, but that's okay. Yeah, sorry. The problem is all of this is so complicated. <laughs> um I, the, see, yeah, I mean part of the problem with, with Nanorama with all of us doing this together and looking for us to to get feedback from each other and Carly and us Carly and I were talking about this while you were gone getting a uh, like it's hard for us because we're not reading each other's books because we're trying yeah. to spend so much time writing. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's part of it. Um, yeah. So some of this will be easier to help with feedback if we're actually reading more. stuff. Yeah. yeah. In December is when we'll read each other's books more. Yeah. Oh. Try to help each other out. That's something. Uh, yeah. Basically, I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't making huge mistakes. Right. With the direction of this novel. Because right. Yeah, obviously that's what the point of this is. Yeah. But and I'm yeah. I'm not really sure how to answer your questions. Yeah. And for for that one at least. Yeah. Um I guess one one last thing was basically along the lines of like so the original version of Valendia's story was in like a a completely different town. And her father was kind of like the dictator of the town, and her mother was like a literal sadist, like a, ma- a, a sadomasochist and psychopath. Um, and like she had like a ho- like her whole part of her story was like she literally has like a tra- like a horrible Trump tra- traumatic abusive family situation. Um, I'm trying to decide if that should still be. Nah, make it more. Make because they're just a noble a family. family. Yeah, make it more of a perfect on the outside but evil on the inside kind of a thing. Like what everybody's yeah. wearing a mask. Make it make it more of a that kind of a thing. It's mm-hmm. that they they do abuse her not like like in the way that you were describing. Right, they because they wouldn't be dictators of a town so they would have less yeah. leeway. Yeah, and she's not like a crazy murderous psychopath, but she is manipulative. Yeah. I think just shorten it. Uh, dull, dull it down a little bit just that it's not only more realistic it's more relatable yeah that um, makes and sense then, and then she has more of a uh, a problem that is not just the worst of the worst it's a thing of oh this is something that could happen to anybody and kind of does happen to a lot of people that their parents pretend to be something um and in front of everybody else, but then behind the scenes, it's super messed up. Yeah, I definitely know what. I, yeah, I know where I'm gonna get a lot of this inspiration from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. And honestly, Alindy has always been kind of that sort of character, and I've always, always been inspired by the thing that you exactly know what I'm talking about right now. Um. Yeah, there, well, there's a few. So, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes more sense, yeah, to, to to make it. And I think I can make it be to the point where, like, yeah, like, it's more about the emotional m- manipulation than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, yeah, this whole situation where it's just, like, 
wow, you're an absolute horrible person, but like you do it in such a way that's not obvious. Yep. That's more sadistic in the long run anyway. Yeah. Because there's not an easier right answer to it. It's like, a, uh, what do I do? Because this is good, but this is bad. Yeah, because I think I think part of it is going to be like, she's apprenticed to this guy, to this um, uh, scientist dude or scholar. And like at first her family's like, oh yeah, finally she's doing something important with her life. And then as soon as she like starts liking it, they're like, wow, <laughs> Uh, you shouldn't be doing this with your life. Like, you should do what we tell you to do. Yeah. And they wanted to do something else, and then she's like, no, I want to do this. What are you doing? Stop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that'll be horrifying to read. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to writing. Uh, okay. Okay. Let me see if... I think that's it. The main things were like, um, the Gallic being his father thing. Um, he's not his father; he's his uncle. The uncle's this monkey. The monkey's his uncle. Who is the monkey? <laughs> um, okay. Hey, it's a big pig. Yup, yup. <laughs> it's gonna be a big pig too. Oi. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Okay. I think I have a good idea of what this is gonna look like now. Yeah, I think I do. Okay. Now I gotta go right. All right. Cool. Well, thanks. Yeah. Come to me. I wish God's providence upon all of us as we continue <laughs> trying to write these novels. Guess I'll put the glasses away, huh? <laughs> Back to the mundane life. I mean, no, you gotta go right now. I'm probably going to bed. I need to fill my mug. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay. So, this has been The Christian Artist. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Christ underscore art underscore show at Facebook at facebook.com slash Christian artist show and at our website at Christian artist show.com. Thank you so very much for um, listening to us agonize over these books. And uh, thank you for all of the, um, the prayers and well wishes <laughs> our way. Um, hopefully we can do this thing. I know we can. Um, Connor will at least write consistently, if not <laughs> fifty thousand words. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm actively trying. That's the that's that's, mm -hmm. that's what that's I said I was gonna do. That's the important <laughs> bit. Uh, but yeah. Plus, this way we get to read mine every single time, all the way through. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's it for us. We are out. Bye. Happy writing. <laughs>